Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. Welcome to Gold Lazo, the Mexican football podcast on the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me this week is Ollie Duxbury. Ollie, how have you been? I've been pretty good, thank you. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks that I haven't been able to make it, mainly due to my super recent duties. The league has now started. I'm, I'm pretty certain most people are excited about that. I had a game tonight as well, but I think maybe I won't go into that too much tonight. I think we've got a little bit of Mexican talk to get onto, I think. <laughs> Yes, most certainly we've got plenty of that to talk about. But I, I suppose with the it, it's a super super reton, is that what it's called? Yes, it's so, really, yes. No offense to anyone that's a, that's a big fan of that, and obviously Liga MX listening to this. But well, Oli, well, who's the team that everyone should be looking out for this season? Then uh, for me, it's a couple of teams. I think probably a team maybe people have heard of is a Helsingborg. They're one of the I think they seem to be one of the bigger teams back in the day in Sweden. They've got like. Look like they're going to be one of the chances this year. Another team called uh, Guys, spelled G A I S, and a team I hadn't heard of before. I started covering this league a couple of months ago, and I got you in their game tonight actually, and they won, and they look pretty good. So if people want to, they're going to check out the Super and they might watch a few matches. I would recommend those two. There you go. He's, a, he's an expert at Super <laughs> in Sweden and uh, Liga MX. But uh, is there any Mexicans in the Super There isn't. Don't worry. That was a, literally the, it's the first thing I checked, and sadly there has. I think there was like someone a few years ago, but it was a player who I didn't recognise at all. So yeah, it's mainly mainly Swedish people in this league, sadly. Oh, what a crossover that would have been, eh? <laughs> oh well, you never know. In in the summer, your players move here and there, and, and you may find a Mexican in the league. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> I'm sure you would. But Ollie, as you said, we've got plenty to talk about, haven't we? And um, I suppose let's start with the midweek games. We've seen a bit of intercontinental action in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, some good and bad news for the Mexican signs. Let's start off with the good news, and that is that Chivas have managed to hold out against Red Bull, New York Red Bull, should I say, and they've got to the final. This is a hell of an achievement. An achievement that I would have said, um, well, you'll probably agree with me, only that most people would not have expected. I mean, Chivas, yes... Um, were champions in the closer this time last year, weren't they? But um, since then, it's been pretty dire times. No, it really has been. We just sort of talked about that off podcast just now, just like just saying about their home form, for example. And like they've been, since the the uh, second leg in the uh, final of the Cosera last year, where they beat Tigre, they've only won once at home in the league, and that was at home for Tijuana, and that's included Apertura and Cosera. I mean, that's just absolutely horrendous. I mean, going into this game, I probably would. I mean, I think I can't remember what. 
prediction I would have made for this, I, I might have said New York to go through. I have to check back and see if I was right or not. But yeah, they. I mean, I, I didn't get to see. I didn't get to talk about. No, it wasn't on last week. Talk about the first leg, but I thought they were quite professional in the first leg. Maybe could have got a few more goals to make it a bit more comfortable. They were looking to be sort of the aggressor, but then with this leg here, they were. They, you know, they rotated at the weekend in preparation for it, and they were. I don't want to say they were poor, but they just didn't do anything. I mean, it just shows by just by the stats, for example. New York had 59% and 14 shots. Chivas had 41% and just one shot. I mean, it was, they were clearly set, Almeida had set them up in a certain way that we're gonna, we don't care if we're gonna play negative football. We're, we're not here to entertain. We're here to get through to the final. And for them, it worked. You, you can't, it's hard to criticize the performance now because he got the job done. They were out with them without, uh, Jai Pereira, like probably their probably best center back. He was, he was out for a suspension. I think he misses the, he actually missed the final now as well for the first leg of the final. And, and Salcedo came in and for what, 38 year old looked very impressive. And an impressive, uh, well, two tie, your victory, one nil. Yes. It has to be said as well. I mean, uh, Chivas, we, we've spoke about, haven't we, off the pod, as you were saying, that uh, they haven't been very strong at home. And on this occasion managed to hold out uh, a nil nil. Which um, is a remarkable performance, really, um, mm-hmm. and unexpected. Sorry, they managed to win one 0 at home, um, which is a remarkable performance from a team that, um, as we said, have, have only managed is it one win at home? Yeah, uh, one win like something like yes, it's ridiculous. It's so bad. <laughs> but since they they won the championship, which is which is uh, incredible, really, you know. So I I mean they were benefited with uh, the red card in that game but uh, that came somewhat after you know they had already held the lead yeah. for, you know for, for quite some time and um, yeah I, I mean in the in the return like um, it, it did seem like one-way traffic Ollie um, as you pointed out the stats to me um, they were a little one-sided weren't they yeah and there's another stat that I was going to point out as well that one that I think just really highlighted not just how much defending they had to do, but also probably how well they played. They had to make the Chiefs defenders alone made 54 clearances. And that's like a ridiculous <laughs> amount of clearance. That's 54. like 54 clearances. I just couldn't. It's just like the amount of like crosses and just balls coming into the box. I was like, it's just such a ludicrous amount. And like, and, and I think New York still had 14 shots. I think that just the amount of like, how much they went on to it to really go for it. I think it was also looking at uh, when I was look at going over the highlights that New York, uh, especially in like the first 15 minutes, they were going at such like a frenetic pace. They were like going, going like mad. I think they sort of thinking it was go out really early, high intensity, as really get into Chivas' faces to try and like stop them from playing any sort of their game. I think it's what Almeida said after the game that it was, this was what he called it like a suffered win. And like they, he couldn't sort of, they couldn't find their right style of play. I mean, we know when, they may more do it at home, but more away this season. She was told there are a good football inside. Okay, they haven't had the best of seasons overall, but it's, it, you can't say they're a, a negative team. It's just in this game, New York started with such a high intensity pace that Chivas, uh, Chivas sorry, uh, New, they didn't allow Chivas to play their quick passing football, and that sort of affected them. They had to make a few tactical changes that I mean, did sort of. Like drop a bit deep. I think Pizarro really wasn't in the game. Polito was very, very quiet. So New York, for basically side, their side of things, did the job. Just didn't get the goal. Costa was again in good form. He, he made six saves. And Almeida is probably talking about him personally now. 
I think I've, I've said it throughout the podcast this um, this past year, well, this past year uh, in 2018, that basically the Champions League is just what's keeping him in his job. And now he's in the final, he'll probably get it wants to get to the end of the season now. And if they win it, he he probably will stay on as well because they'll be in the club world championship. But if he doesn't, it remains to be seen if he go if he stays on. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we obviously, um, well, just just under a year now. You know, we we discussed that. You know, it's it, what a hell of an achievement it is. You know, for the win the the class era, and you know that there was uh, many of uh, clubs in Europe kind of uh, being linked with yeah. you know, it's Spain and in Italy, and you just thought it was only a matter of time. You know, before he maybe moved that direction, but um, he he seemed to enjoy being a Chivas and wanting to take them a little further and he just thought, Oh, what what's the future gonna hold for them? They've got they've got a decent side, decent football going on there. All, all of a sudden now they're gonna have, you know, um a, a continental um cup opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you know, it seemed like the world was their oyster and it's just it's completely fallen flat since then. I mean, this is um at least um a little spark of of hope and joy that the Chivas fans have been able to have since then. Um, none of us would have expected for them to go this far. And I suppose you're probably right. I mean, if, if they go on and win the competition, you can't exactly sack Almeida, can you? You know, it's a, it's a, no. it's a hell of a feat. But, uh, Ollie, we, we've discussed it in the past before. Um, I mean, do you think that possibly, and this is what Manu suggested previously, was that maybe... Maybe that Almeida is actually holding together. He's the glue holding them together at the club. And actually, when he goes, things are only going to go from bad to worse. I mean, how do you feel about that? Or do you feel that it's very much his responsibility there? I think that's a very good point. Yeah, you feel like the one constant that has been with Chios for like so many years now is Almeida. I think there's the stats he's led since he's took over. He's led them to, led them to seven finals, this being their seventh. He's won four, lost two. That's not a bad record for a guy who's supposedly on like, yeah, for a guy who's on like, people are saying he's like, not losing it, but he's having like his probably toughest season with Chivas. It's still a very good record. Yeah, do you think the, I can, I can say a few things about Almeida, like he's, he's not great with transfers, especially this season. I mean, obviously the one for me that's the standout, like big player is uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, who's been unbelievably good signing. I think, where they sign? Can't remember where they signed him from, but whoever let him go is like regretting that now, because I think he's been, I've seen him like lose, lose to Europe for at the end of the season, which could be potentially, but I think that's the whole, I think that's the whole thing. Almeida, he's such a, cause he's, he, He's so passionate to it. Clear, he like that transfers over to the players as well, and you need someone with that probably like high intensity to work with these players. And if Almeida's not there, can Chivas try and find a replacement who also plays the same style of football? Because the Chivas fans are not going to want to go back to some plodding football. They're going to want this, like I was saying, the high intensity sort of football. So I would, I would definitely agree with that Almeida is. Because he's the one constant that's been there for so long, the turnover of players is quite high, especially in Mexico. Players go from different clubs all the time. That losing him to to Europe would probably impact them even more so than it has been this past season. Yeah, I think you could be right, Ollie. Um, I, I suppose you know, if if they invest in the club in the summer, you know, and they, yeah. they they try to make a few smart signings. If they can actually hold on to Rodolfo Pizarro. Um, mm. Which is gonna be tough. 
if I'm being honest, you know. Oh no, yeah, you know, I totally agree. Such such a talented player is is going to turn around and go, well, I I don't really fancy losing every week. You know, I yeah. I can go to Europe, possibly get more money. You know, playing in competitions that maybe he would have watched as a kid or or whatever. Yeah. You know, because every player's got aspirations, and unfortunately for uh, League MX, a lot of those players' aspirations when they come through is to then play in Europe and playing in the European Champions League. But if they can manage to hold on to him, invest, uh, and hold on to Almeida as well, maybe fortunes would change. But the real problem would be if, if they invested and did hold on to him and fortunes didn't change, Yeah, yeah. then you you would have to point at, at the coach, wouldn't you? And you'd, you'd have mm. to say, well, we the board will be saying, we've done our part. You know, there, there's nothing yeah. more we can do. and. I suppose while they're winning other uh, cups, you know it, that's going to distract a little bit from the domestic form. But they've 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 been very very poor domestically. But we, we'll get to the domestic football all in time, and we'll also talk a little bit about the final. Let, let's just uh, get to that. But we'll t- we'll talk about the other semi-final as well, which seen Toronto taking on Club America. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Club America had a a rather large task at hand after being 3-1 down um, in the away leg. Uh, they came back to Mexico but failed to uh, capitalise on that away goal and it ended up 1-1. So, um, Oli, this is, this was obviously um, a, a tricky tie, wasn't it? Because we knew that Club America have been very good um, you know, under Herrera. They've been much changed, much revived. They've, they've looked pretty solid but... Um, Maybe for a lack of goals here and there, but Toronto, which we obviously learnt um, more so through Manu, are are a very good side, a very good side, and this was always going to be a hell of a task for them. And yeah, it seemed like a, a, a task too large. Yeah, it was just too much. And yeah, trying to overturn that three-one deficit from the first leg was always going to be tricky. And when Toronto got that that first half, after about twenty minutes, you thought, "Oh, blimey, this is going to be." Even more difficult now than Toronto. I mean, just speaking about before I talk about America and how they, I thought Toronto again impressive. I, uh, the manager Vanny. I mean, I, I can't say I know loads about him. Being that he's obviously played for a major MLS team, I don't really look at that too much. But from just from some of the comments and the tactics they were doing, like just in this game, started with a three-five-two as they seem to normally play now. Realised it wasn't working. Made the big call to take off uh, Gregory Van der Veel, which I thought was a, a bold move considering like how. Like well known, he doesn't mean just because he's a big name doesn't mean he's going to be good. But he's, he's had a solid start to his career in Toronto. Took him off, brought on, um, I said, brought on like in the midfield and went back to, went back to a, like a sort of flat four four two, and it just worked. It worked well. It just really stifled America, and who were really quite one dimensional. They're lacking. They've been. They've had, Jeremy Mendes has been out for the past couple of weeks now. Doesn't maybe could return this weekend or the week after, but. Sort of lacking his sort of creativity and guile, and the other one is uh, Cecilio Dominguez, who seemed basically he was out of the club at the start of the Cruzeiro. Uh, come back into come back into really good form in recent weeks. He's done his hamstring, so we haven't got those two players. You sort of rely on the likes of Henry Martin, Peralta, Ibarguen, who are all good, but they're just not they're not Menes, they're not Dominguez. I think Lyons came off the bench. He had a bit of a disappointing season. Really, sort of no game time at all. I think this. This game on uh, in midweek was basically the first time he's got over 45 minutes since I think I was looking at this, I think it is sometime in November. Yeah, start of November. So 
Chelsea's lack of like game time. But no, yeah, Toronto impressed. We know how good they are. They know how to like change tactics in game. It was uh, America got a penalty late on, obviously scored it. What just it just it just wasn't enough. America, I, I just yeah, it's hard hard to think how much what more Herrera could have done with. I know he had players injured at his disposal. Maybe he could have gone for it a tiny, tiny bit more, been a bit more aggressive in his tactics. But it, it just, it just didn't work for them. You got to say kudos to Toronto and kudos to uh, Greg Vanny. He got his tactics absolutely spot on. Yeah, well, at least uh, Herrera can look at the table, unlike, uh, unlike Almeida and uh, yeah, that's good point. say, you know, domestically. We're mm-hmm. in, a, we're in a good place. They're sitting in third, aren't they? You know, yeah, yeah. has nailed on, and. Yeah, Chivas are obviously. Well, I mean, it's going to take somewhat of a miracle, isn't it, for for them to yeah. get into that position? So, you know, th- things are looking positive for uh, Club America. You would have to say, even though they they might oh, yeah, yeah. drop out of this stage, or but Chivas, I, I just don't. It, it's hard to look at the positives when we've uh, had so many negatives uh, for so long with them, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, Ollie, if if we then talk about the final, the the final will be coming uh, to us on the on the sixteenth. So games are coming uh, thick and yeah, fast, really quick. What we say sixteenth, <laughs> but it's two legs, so there'll be another one then on the twenty fourth. So, uh, Ollie, uh, what's your prediction? How is this going to go? I mean, if Manu was here, um, even though I'm not quite sure why he's not here, I don't, don't know what he's doing. I mean. He's a big Bayern Munich fan. Maybe, you know, maybe he's watching them tonight in the Champions League. Uh, he's going to kill me for saying that. Uh, but uh, I'm sure if Manu was here, he would be saying that Chivas just aren't, aren't going to have the uh, the power to go past uh, Toronto. Toronto were just too good a side. And only we, we were looking just before this moment, we went the last time an MLS side won in the competition. And mm-hmm. you, you told me, was it 2000? 2000, it was uh, the uh, Galaxy, yeah, won it in 2000. So, I mean, is is 2018, in your opinion, Ollie, is, is is that their time? I think it is going to be, yeah. It's just, I'm just looking at this Toronto side now, it's just strong in every position. You think you've got, when you've got a player like Michael Bradley in the midfield, Juvinko up front, Vanderville and Brazilian Oro in defence, even the goalie Bono, I thought he was... Very impressive. I thought to talk about him when I was just talking about the game. He made one ridiculously good save from Ibarguen that could have turned a tie on its head. Maybe it would have, it was still 1-0 Toronto, but it was in the middle, midway of the point of the first half. So that could have brought, could have changed things right around. They're just a real solid unit. They've got good strength and depth. Yeah. I, I mean, they've got Victor Vasquez who potentially could come back from injury for the final. He's been very impressive. And then you look at the Chivas side. It's, it's, it, obviously, we know this issue would do a lot better than they should. I think their midfield's weak. Cotter's a good goalie. Defence is a tiny bit weak. And then you've got Pizarro, who's obviously like the main man, and Polito has gone a bit, a bit disappointing recently. Uh, yeah, it's hard to look anywhere other than the Toronto victory. I will say, I will add that obviously, I think the uh, final's going to be a lot different than both these second legs because they were, both sides are very, very defensive. You think I'll talk about how Chivas basically had 41% possession on one shot. I think in this game, Toronto were quite similar as well. They had they had three shots overall, and I think like thirty five percent possession or something. Like that. They had a lot, not not a lot of possession at all. So, but I think that will totally change for the final. We know how Toronto play. We know how Chivas play. But yeah, Toronto will just have too much over them for both legs. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto actually win both legs as well. That's how like 
better at a sliding shoe as they are. So the MLS will finally break their 18-year duck for a CONCACAF Champions League winner. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously you and I, Oli, and Manu, oh, you know, we would like to see the Mexican side uh, win the Oh, yeah. But it's it's looking unlikely, and this is coming from the uh, the Liga MX fans, you know. No, so, yeah. Um, so I, it's just I, the, it's, I it's, 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 it's it's just the it's the wrong side in the final. That, that, that not saying that like Chiefs don't deserve to be there. They they've got their own merit and like their performances to get there. But it's like if this was like a, a Tigre, even a Club America in the final, you would think, well, this could be a, a lot tighter affair. But just we know how good Toronto are. We've seen how poor Chivas are. Maybe they they're showing they can, they can turn up for the big games, but if they're turning up for the big games and they're facing a side like Toronto, who are probably just just going to be too good for them. Yeah, well, that's it. I I would have even liked to have seen Monterey in there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chivas, we can't take it away from them. You, know, they've managed to get to the final one way or another. But uh, I just think the the other sides that we mentioned, you know, which well, especially uh, Tigres and Monterey. You know, they'd throw the kitchen sink at it, wouldn't they? You oh, know? God, yeah. Uh, Chivas, is, this this is going to be a tough one, Chivas. Uh, but we, we've all made predictions before, and we've all got predictions wrong before. Yes. Maybe <laughs> Chivas will surprise us. Maybe they, this is the big the big occasion that they need. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe domestic you know, football is just too small fry for them these days. I'm, I'm trying to clutch at any straw here. Yeah. I'm, I'm really struggling. Um, I mean, um, yeah, I don't really know what else we can say about uh, about this, but uh, I suppose we'll have to uh, tune in and uh, see how it goes and keep our fingers crossed that uh, Chivas can, can uh, produce uh, some magic. So, uh, I, I suppose, Ollie, what, what's uh, very briefly, just before we move away from this, there, there's been a few few mentions of them not Chivas players not getting paid their bonuses. What 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 exactly is going on here? Yeah, so interesting for when they won the Liga MX and Copa MX like last year, it's not even this season, they just haven't received any bonuses for that and they've also along with that as well, this happened quite recently as well, some travel arrangements where they were flying from Guadalajara to uh, New Jersey. But for the uh, second level yeah, talking about the um, money, basically the players are owed $165,000 uh, as a US dollar for winning the Elite 27 League of Mex and Copper MX. And yeah, they're just disappointed about it. I think it was, um, I saw on Twitter, uh, Salcedo, Brizula, Cotta, Alanis, and Pereira. They, there was this Mexican journalist called uh, Ruben Rodriguez who basically posted on Twitter saying that, that the players were sort of angry with all this situation and everything. And they all retweeted that tweet. So clearly, it's like an underlying issue going on there. I think Chief has Chief been asked for a response. They haven't heard anything yet from uh, anyone. I think it was ESPN who asked them. There's nothing there. So then maybe there is some sort of underlying problems there. I'm not saying this is going to be this is what's contributing to their poor performances, but you look at their past, you think just that their points from the 15-16 season was they got 21 in the Apertura, 28 in the Corsera. Last season, 28 in the Apertura, 27 in the Corsera. Then this year, 18 in the Apertura, 15 in the Corsera so far. So, you don't want to say the players are just playing for money, but if you're owed that amount of money for winning two tournaments, you're going to be a bit sort of like ticked off about it. Yeah, well, it just adds to the more issues that's going on at Chivas, isn't it? It does. On-field, off-field, well, well, at least they they may have something to uh, just sing and uh, cheer about, uh, you know, the fans that he's, you know, if they uh, manage to pull this one off. But let's talk um, domestically now, and 
I suppose <laughs> let's continue on with the uh, the Chivas um, yeah. hammering that we're giving. I mean, Ollie, we we seen them rotate at the weekend, but they managed to uh, drop points and lose to Veracruz. Uh, Veracruz we'll get to in a little minute because this is <laughs> getting rather remarkable. But yeah, you, you said um, obviously Chivas rotated, and th- this is another reason why they would have lost this game. Oh yeah, I think like the players they rested, like they rested Cotter in goal, Alanis was rested completely, uh, Hernandez was rested completely, Cisneros was rested completely, Salcedo was rested, I think Pineda, Perez, Pizarro, and the youngster Godinez was rested, so that's like nine players on this list of who would start all the games. I mean, obviously, like, Almeida knew he was just going to be, the youngsters probably should have had enough. They did absolutely batter Veracruz. It was just a mistake by um, 19-year-old Benjamin Galindo on his full debut, 14 seconds into his debut. He gives away a short back, short back pass. Keep standing keeper uh, Jimenez no is just like got no chance at all. Veracruz striker just like walks onto it and just passes it into net. It was just so harsh to see this guy set the young centre out making his debut and just like thinking, oh god, he's done that after 15 seconds. Well, Oli, how, how did he perform after that? Uh, did, did he at least uh, raise that chin? Uh, he looked unbelievably nervous for the next 20 minutes. I mean, he was just poor first touches. It was just like every, like a deer in the headlights. He couldn't sort of like just get a grip on what I think it was he, could, he couldn't believe what he'd just done himself. He sort of, uh, he's, he got, he, I think he settled down after half time. And th- I mean, thankfully, I think Veracruz got the goal and we're like, oh my god, we've scored a goal away here. We're just going to defend. They just defended. Like, Chivas actually battered them. I mean, like, how they didn't score. I mean, I think that's just, just that's just the story of Chivas, really. They just don't, they do dominate games at home, but just not score. And that's, that's again, that was the case this game. Okay, they used a lot of youngsters. I think, I mean, I think the average age must have been quite young. They had like a couple of 20 year olds in defence. Midfield was 22, 19, 19, and going forward, they had Torres on the wing, who's 19, and Benitez 22. So again, a young side, but really should have had, a, had enough to deal with this Veracruz side, who I think we'll get onto now, are performing well above expectations for the last three games. Yeah, most certainly. Um, and I feel we'll leave Chivas alone. And yeah. In the meantime, they've <laughs> got enough abuse from us, haven't they? But uh, let's talk about the the miracle that has turned into a Veracruz at the moment. Uh, once dead and buried, they've they've had a rather spectacular close here, haven't they? And and with that win, that just moves them up into a position that they may just get into the league. Yeah, they are joint on points with seventh, eighth position and they're obviously sitting in in ninth with 18 points each they're joined with uh tijuana and uh pachuca i mean this this is incredible three wins on the points and yeah i mean uh, manu and i talked last week ollie uh, in your absence uh, we, yeah. we talked about uh, how this is turning into a little bit of the situation like Morelia last year where they, exactly. they, had, yeah. they had to win, didn't they, to, to stay in the division, but it also got them into the Ligueo, you know, and uh, Rui Diaz obviously with that spectacular uh, winner right at the end against uh, yeah. Monterey. And it's turning into a little bit of this situation because Lobos unfortunately uh, can't seem to you know pull themselves out of this situation uh, whatsoever and even earlier on the week, we've seen a, a rather unfortunate sacking, didn't we? Mm, yeah, Puente went from 
love last year, which I thought was sort of getting, it was getting inevitable in the end, the amount of pressure was being held on him and stuff like that. It was just sort of like he did to go to walk or get sacked. But yeah, just turning back to Ferret Cruz, I, mean, I think the last time I probably was on this podcast was prior to the, um, the prior to the Atlas, Atlas victory or after the Atlas victory. I mean, it might have been after the Atlas victory where I basically said that was like the, the game of the week, like, and they, but, but they, they won that 3-1. I think their last two games beat Tijuana at home 1-0 and obviously just beat Chivas 1-0 away. I think that's two clean shoots in a row for a side who was basically like, Conceding bucket loads in their opening few games. I think that was it. Is it like, just, just, yeah, they just like, just concede goals for fun at some points. But I don't, I don't know what Vasquez has done. I, I, he's not really changed anything. He's, maybe he's dropped Menendez, the striker, for uh, Murillo, who they signed from Deputivo Cali in Colombia. He's, I think he's got three and three now, or four and three. I think, I think it's three and three, yeah. But even so, to him to come in to score goals. I mean, the main, Player for them is uh, Guido Milan, who is the uh, their centre back. I I want to say they signed from AC Milan, but I think it might have been Mets. I'm, it was Mets, sorry, not AC Milan. I'm thinking of another um, centre back. I think it's Monterey. But yeah, he's been an absolute monster in their past few games. Missed the game the weekend for injury. But I, I, but it, it, I, I think they're going to do it now. This is such, uh, this is even more remarkable than the Monaco situation because I actually didn't. I thought. Veracruz were to go down there dead as well, and they still stayed up. That when um, uh, I can't oh God, who went down? Uh, down when Chiapas went down, obviously. But um, uh, uh, yeah, like four weeks ago, I was, I still would have backed them to go down. But now they probably need one more win, maybe. And looking into their final few games, they've got the, uh, the next three games. They've got Leon next. Leon at home, who have been up in, uh, shambles. I mean, we might touch on them, but they've been. Shambolic this year. This this be past like five months. Uh, they've got Toluca away. Okay, ridiculously tough. But then the last game cruises all at home. I, I, I'd back them to the way they they're doing things at the moment. You you wouldn't back them to at least win one of those two games. I wouldn't back Mobiles to win any of their last three games. So I, I mean, fair play to Veracruz. I know basically a lot of people. You look on Twitter, a lot of people do hate Veracruz, but they're probably going to stay up and. They've been terrible for ages, but they've basically got their act together in the final like two months, and they're going to do it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, with those uh, final three games, you can see them beating Leon. Where Leon have, mm. have had a very poor uh, campaign, haven't they? Um, oh to yeah. To look at quite the opposite, it's it's going to be a quite a challenge for them to uh, take them on. But then even uh, Cruz Azul as well. Uh, you on the last match day. Yeah. You, know, you you wouldn't you wouldn't put it past them and. You know, to get six, or at least maybe even four points out of those yeah. uh, final nine, which, which is really quite incredible. I mean, will it be enough? You know, to get them into Ligue could be difficult. If they get six points, maybe four. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if that would be a step too far for them, but I think they'll just be happy to do enough, you know, to stay in the division. And, yeah, I, I mean, looking even at the stats, I mean, that run of three games that they've won, uh, now, um, they'd only scored 10 goals in the 14 matches, and half of those goals, five yeah. of those goals, have come in the last three games. <laughs> you know, so it's, it, it really is remarkable. You know, they were shipping goals and they couldn't score for the life of themselves. Um, this is all obviously aided uh, the, their relegation uh, position by just how poor Lobos have been. Um, poor Lobos. Yeah, they. they they just they're conceding so many goals. Although you've mentioned on several occasions, uh, just how bad that defence is, and it, it it really is poor, isn't it? And yeah. 
you, you can't defend that badly and, and expect to stay in the division. They were very hit and miss, weren't they, in the Apertura? You know, they yeah. they hammer teams and then they got stuffed by teams. They they blew <laughs> hot and cold, but unfortunately there hasn't been too much hot um, in the in the second half of the uh, season and the money winning two matches so far just just hasn't been good enough and they they lost this weekend um, again not a drubbing as such but um, no. Cruz Azul um, scoring via penalty with um, Edgar Mendes and you know it's a, the, Obviously, as Liga MX does, there were red cards in the game, but um, yeah, Lobos just, um, it looks like they're destined to, to go down. I mean, unfortunately, the club just hasn't been, it hasn't been ran very well since it's, it's got promoted, has it? Um, there, there's been a lack of investment, and you know, what what good players they have had, they've ended up letting go, and yeah, yeah unfortunately, um, I think, uh I think their time in the top flight is uh, coming to an end, it would seem. Uh, Oli, let's let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, Toluca. Toluca this weekend um, managed to beat Tigres, which is a hell of a feat. Um, a lot of people would have said that maybe this would have been the end of Toluca's fabulous um, winning streak. But um, that wasn't the case. They managed to win 1-0 after a Rennes goal uh, on the 57th minute. Um, Toluca, I I can't really explain it. What what's happened here? But and I don't think anyone would have uh, expected this um start of the plus here. But they've they've been fantastic. They really have been. I was actually uh, talking to the uh, Toluca analyst earlier, so I just just wanted to see like how are they doing this well? And he was saying like, there's no one real standout player. They've got Sam Buesa, who's obviously their main sort of creative player, but there's no like, there's no real goal getter. They've got Luis Quilanos, who's decent enough. Midfield's relatively strong, defence strong, goalie's good. It's it's just a really strong side. He said they all play for one another. Cristante's got them playing in this. It's like a, it's basically it's, a, it's your, your standard four four two or four five one, however you want to say it. They all they work unbelievably hard. I mean, they don't win games by a lot. I think they scored twenty goals in fourteen games, conceded twelve. You think it's not like they're scoring those goals? They they still concede a fair few goals, less than one a game, but. Three sides have conceded less than the Caxa who are in tenth receive the same amount of goals as them. It's just they know they know how to win games. They've got that real mentality that Cristante I think installs in them. I think he showed that against um I remember in the Club America game, uh, I think it was in the end of March, which they won two one away. And they were just being like real utter like just nasty, really guessing in their faces, and that's just what they do. And they've had a superb, just a really superb season. I think touching on the win over uh, Tigre, they're in the, they're in the uh, Copa Max final, which kicks off tonight in like five hours or something. But they wrote, they've rotated so heavily. They basically fully rotated their best defender, probably I'd say Santiago Garcia, rotated three of their best midfielders, four, sorry, Sambuesa, Barrientos, Rios, and uh, Lopez, and also rotated Canelo. And they still won 1-0 against a four-strike Tigre side at Bar Ginek, who was sitting on the bench. And it just shows... They were able to sort of play one guy who basically hadn't started a league game for the, for God knows how long and was actually really, really good. It's just they, they have this random strength and depth that you just don't expect a, like a side like Toluca to have. If it was like a Club America, Monterey, etc., you think, okay, yeah, they're going to have good youngsters. These, these weren't even youngsters. These were guys who were like 24 coming in for their first starts in like a year and just performing unbelievably well. So it just shows how such a tight-knit group they are. And I mean, them and 
they're, they've already qualified for the Ligue with three games to go. That just shows how good they've been. Yeah, it's it's a hell of a feat, isn't it? It's yeah, it really is incredible. And as I was saying, you know, nobody really would have predicted this. But Oli, I suppose the question I'm, I'm going to have for you is: they go into Ligue, as you said, that's already been confirmed. Uh, they're going to want to finish um, as high as possible to give themselves the chance. Obviously, if you finish. First, you play eighth, and that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Second, you play seventh, and so forth. Um, so you want to finish first. You know, you want yes. to play the, the what should be the weakened team sitting in eighth place. They're going into it in form. It looks, you know, provided they can keep this up in the next three games. Uh, is there a possibility of them going all the way? Do you think uh, and and winning, um, winning the the class era? There's always a possibility that they seem to have struggled recently in um when it gets to Ligue. I think they made it last year in the Apertura as well. They got knocked out by Monarcos. And then they also made it in last clause zero as well. They got past Santos Laguna in the uh, first knockout round. I think that's a ridiculous that, 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 that's ridiculous too. Like I think Santos they lost the first they won the first leg four one, lost the second one three one, and then got knocked out by Chivas in the uh, second leg. So I do feel like they sh- they might struggle a little bit with that. They might not have the they players who have like the experience, maybe aside Sam Buezo and possibly Talavera. Not a sub that has a lot of experience going to knockout rounds, but they can just take real just the confidence they'll get from this and knowing that some other sides are faltering a little bit, knowing that they've, they've already beat a side like Tigra in the regular season. Okay, we know about Tigra and how they are in when it gets to the playoffs, they sort of just like turn it on. But it's sort of like similar to that Santos Laguna as well. I give both of them an absolute equal chance of any other side right now because they are, they are the form side. That's what you want going into into Ligia. Toluca won seven in a row in the league. If they keep that up, okay, not so they're going to win the next three games with ten in a row, which would be absolutely incredible. But they go into the Ligia unbeaten, they're going to be absolutely buzzing. I don't, they probably don't care who they play. They probably don't mind if they play Pachuca or if they end up playing like Puebla, for example, who finish in eighth place because they will feel that they could probably do this. Not, not necessarily saying they will do this, but they could probably feel that they can do it. Absolutely, you know, I, I don't, I don't disagree at all, uh, Ollie. But would you say that likes of uh, we talked about Club America being in there, Tigres always in there, Monterey regular uh, appearances in it. Uh, would you not say that maybe previous experience, um, yeah, does yeah, an I awful agree. lot for you? Yeah, I totally agree. As much as it would be cool for Toluca or Santos Laguna to win, you just look at the sides below them in third to fifth, that's America, Tigre, and Monterey, and you'd still think you'd still back one of them to get through there. But I think what could be quite interesting, though, with these three games to go, from third to sixth, there's like a, there's like a, you think Santos Laguna is second of four points clear of America, and Morelia in sixth for five points clear of seventh place Tijuana. So you're going to have teams like America, Tigre, and Monterey, and Morelia playing one another, which means you'll have an America... You have America, Tigre, Monterey, one of those, there'll be a combination of both sides playing one another. So you might get one of the big boys knocked out early on, well, early on in the quarterfinal stage. So it, that could pave the way for Toluca or Santos Laguna to get through to the, uh, not, not say they're both, they're in the final, but it would just sort of make the draw slightly easier for them. No, absolutely, Ollie. I, th- I think you're right. I think, um, I, I think, you know, when, when you get this far, you know, you do want the other big sides to, um, draw themselves uh, and then one of them has to go really and for you to uh, get one of the uh, lesser experienced or or maybe uh, uh, less favoured teams uh, to knock mm-hmm. themselves out. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, what would you give the odds of uh, Veracruz 
getting into the lake gear and then getting uh, Toluca knocking them out. Oh, um, <laughs> oh I, 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 as much as like, I sort of don't have a dislike to Veracruz that one, but, oh, I, I, can they get to the, as I was saying, they, they probably aren't, but they will need to win two games. I don't think they'll be able to win both two of the last three. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. From new holiday favorites like Elf and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to modern and iconic family classics, you can spend the holiday season opening only the good stuff. And with new series, episodes, movies, and fresh content arriving every week, AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I, I mean, you've seen Stranger Things, you've seen Monarch score a 90-second minute goal to stay up and get into the gear. I, you, I wouldn't put it past Veracruz to finish like 7th or something like that. So I'm not going to say they, they couldn't make it, but it's it's going to be tricky, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a very tricky, you know, for them to uh, to qualify, as we said, and then <laughs> to take on Toluca and not yeah. mind. Um, I I. I mean, I would love it. <laughs> you're from, you're maybe a neutral, but um, I think it would be uh, rather unlikely, if honest. Um, Ollie, let, let's uh, then talk about who you would fancy to get um, uh, the gear spots. Um, I, I think from uh, first to sixth are probably nailed on. Um, I think Morelli are going to be safe enough. But then we've got we've got Tijuana, Pachuca, and Veracruz. Nicaxa, Puebla, Pumas. I mean, who who do you fancy getting in there? Yeah, I mean, thinking who's going to make those last two spots it is unbelievably difficult. We think from seventh to even Leon in sixteenth, that's only separated by three points. Mm-hmm. Pachuca definitely, I, I do think we'll get there. I just think they will. They're looking at their final few games; they're a little bit easier than the other teams around them. But so I think they're they're definitely be one of my picks. But then Tijuana, so indifferent, still don't score goals. What, 13 scored in 14 games is pretty pitiful. Veracruz, we said 22 points, probably the max they're going to get. Puebla, have, their form's dropped off. I think they've lost three or four in a row. It might, be, it might be four in a row. Pumas are so indifferent. And then below that, you've got Querétaro and Cruz, Chivas, Leon, who probably, it's an outside chance, but very, very unlikely the teams above them. So, I... I I was, oh, it's such a difficult one because I want to say Veracruz, but I don't know if they'll get enough points. I I see feeling this could be for Nicaxa. Oh, Nicaxa. I, I think Nicaxa. I just feel they're I mean they're in the Copper Mex final tonight, so they've been sort of taking the elite games a little bit less seriously recently. But they don't lose games. I think that what they've played fourteen. Okay, they don't win. They've won three, which isn't great, but they've drawn eight and lost three. I think he's won a few games. They've drew four on the bounce actually. Uh, yeah. The stage. So that's it. If you turn, find a few games, turn a couple of those into wins, they'll have a, 
a good chance, but then I, you can't run out Tijuana, or you can't run out many of these sides. They're just sort of Chivas. I can't run out because I think they'll be concentrating on the Champions League and probably Leon and Cruz as well. It's just too much of an ask. Querétaro, they don't deserve to be there because I just don't think they're very good. So it is any of those sides above that. Potentially Pumas if they get their act together because we know how good they can be. I think they started the season off like an absolute train and completely just. I don't know, it's not, they can't even blame Castillo being injured this time, it's just sort of poor form really, so I will say Pachuca and the Caxa, but I'm not confident on the Caxa at all, it is unbelievably tight still. Yeah, that's it, Pumas uh, and, and Puebla have just been on some horrible form, I mean, yeah. uh, if if we look at uh, Puebla, even this weekend, I mean, they they lost their fourth straight game, that is four, and, yeah. and, and they lost 6-2, didn't they? Yeah, it's absolutely mad. Game. Got... I, mean, I mean, Pachuca were four 0 up, you know, after fifty minutes, and then four one, five one, five two. I mean, just madness, really. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous. I was watching the highlights for that. You think it's Sebastian Plasios who has not been great for Pachuca. He's been average. Got four. Honda got two. I think Honda's really sort of hitting his stride now. It's good to see him really thinking what he, this is the player he was going to be when he first turned when he first turned up last year, and he's really sort of into his own now. But just. Pachuca are just a ridiculous side. I think they've scored 26 conceded 26. So that's like, they've come like 52 goals in 14 games. That's almost like four goals a game. They're just a bizarre, completely bizarre team to watch. And I don't know if Alonso's going to stay around. There's been even more talk of him leaving now. I think if they don't make the league year, he'll definitely go. But yeah, it's, it's a weird game for Puebla starting so well and thinking, we think we kept saying, can they keep it up? Can they keep it up? Saying the same thing with Santos Segura. Obviously Santos can. Maybe they've got a better squad and, Probably sort of is dipped a little bit for them, but I imagine for them safety will stay, making sure they stay up was always the priority. So it's it's something for them to build on going into next year. But it is disappointing to see them drop off like so horrifically in these past four games. Yeah, yeah, it it, it really has. It's I mean, there's been a few teams that are that have dropped off. Puebla and Pumas being being two of them. But we we talked about who might creep into the uh, the gear, and yes, Veracruz. May not have the most spectacular TU11 that they're putting out, and they may not be playing the most spectacular football, but they do have momentum at the moment without those three wins in a row. And taking on Leon next, that could possibly turn into four, couldn't it? Um, I would back Veracruz, yeah, definitely. Uh, absolutely. Um, Ollie, what exactly has happened? Um, some of the sides at the bottom, if we just lightly touch on them, we've, we've given Chivas uh, enough abuse. We've talked yeah. about Lobos, but. <laughs> Leon and Atlas, I mean, it's been a disastrous campaign for them as well. Yeah, I suppose we start with Atlas. They're the team who are just above Lobos. I mean, they've just been a complete basket case. They sacked their manager, I think, a couple of weeks ago now, brought in Espinosa. And you think they've performed a bit better recently. You think they, they lost a very lost, lost good. Then they beat Central Saguna, which was a very good win, got a good point away at Tijuana. So, but yeah, I think injuries have halted them as well. Signings haven't been good. Angelo Henriquez, I think, has been absolute dross. Signed from Dinamo Zagreb, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be a really good signing. I can't believe, I can't remember seeing a worse striker in Liga MX this season. He actually got a goal at the weekend, though, but he's been absolutely horrific. Ravel, the tactics have been going all over the place. Ravel Morrison can't get in the squad now. He's just basically just on the bench, injured, rested out altogether at times. They're playing youngsters, like the Espinosa, I think, has come up from the sub 20s, I want to say. He's come up from one of the youth sides. He's playing like 21-year-olds, 19-year-olds in defence, midfield, in, in attack at times. But I think Ian Torres is 17 and he's getting off the bench like, more frequently than Ravel Morrison, which sort of shows what 
what the what the new manager has sort of like faith in, doesn't have faith in these players who have come in and are just like wanting to impress his bringing in bring for the youngsters, which is a good thing to do, but he can't really do it at this moment when Atlas have just been so just just so poor. It's just really disappointing because they do I do still think they have quite a decent squad, but on paper, I mean, it looks like you, you, they they go out and play. It's just like you just it's just eleven strangers at times, and then lay on. I mean, oh, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't want to say injuries have like caused a lot of their problems, but injuries have caused a lot of their problems. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, defence has been times that have had like four defenders, like first team defenders, just out at once in midfield. Uh, massive misses uh, Alex Mahea. He's been missing for. The past couple of months now, I think that's coincided with like a run of one win in five, I think, and just conceding goals all over the place. Baselli's missed some games of injury as well. It's just Donovan hasn't settled. He's been looked decent in one game, I think. Apart from that, he's been poor. He's barely Other featured. Signing, to be he's barely featured. I mean, to be fair, he yeah, I think he made his first start in the league on the first of April. That was away at Tigra, and Last he just. Week? Yeah, we talked yeah. about this. Yeah, and I, I didn't say that he, I was going to say he looked so off the pace. He just like, it just, it was, I don't say it was embarrassing, but it was just like, I, this is, this is why you've signed a 36, this, this is what you expect when you sign a 36 year old who hadn't played for like 18 months. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Ollie, I, I suppose the thing is, I, I don't think they were, but, um, you know, if, if you were to say that, you know, they were allowing on the, the class area to go well, via Donovan, then you know they oh, they God. really they really need to have their heads checked. Oh, they do. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, he, he didn't play for like the first month because he was like just not fit. Then he the month after that, he's basically getting eight minutes off the bench here and there. Then he got picked up like another. Then he was like ill, and he's slowly making the benches. And then I think was on the bench the game at the weekend, which they lost to Morelia. Didn't come off the bench, so it's it's. I mean, it's a nightmare. Closera's going. I mean, Leon's has been absolutely atrocious in every way possible. And I think the pressure's now on Diaz. It's sort of getting to where it was where it's under Torrente. It seems to be a thing of Leon. They go, they have managers who start really well, have a good like first like nine months, and then they have a horrendous like two three month period, and it's like everything. But everything was there's loose control, and the team loses control. The fans turn against them, and I'd be amazed if Diaz is in charge come the start of next season. No, absolutely. It's it all seems to fall apart for them, doesn't it? It's they're, yeah. they're two clubs that really need to address these issues, or you know, looking at the relegation tables for future reference, oh, yeah. things could be tricky, especially that Atlas side. Eh? You know, th- mm. this is the thing with League MX: you survive uh, relegation, you know, uh, or you 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 prevent yourself from finishing bottom, should I say, in the table, but that can catch up with you the following year, the year after, right? So, you know, you've, you've always got to keep up performances. And I think Chivas, you know, it's, they are going to have to look at addressing this as well because next thing you know, you're being dragged into that over an average period, you know. Definitely. I think it could be a concern. Oli, I suppose let's uh, finish up today with a little conversation on uh, who would you... Uh, like to highlight as possibly the uh, the team of the campaign so far. We we've got three games left, but there's mm-hmm. um, there's less and less to play for at the moment as uh, as certain teams have guaranteed themselves into uh, the Lagia spots. Um, 
and it looks like Lobos are all but doomed. Maybe we shouldn't speak too soon. But <laughs> who who would you say um who would you say your your team of the Coliseo would be? I mean, Toluca might be an obvious choice. Toluca would be probably be an obvious choice because they're top and like I feel like Toluca have been they are we they they they're always in the Liga. They are quite a solid side. I think just for. I also I, I, do, I am a big fan of Monarchus as well. I mean the fact that that Absolutely, yeah. within that season of basically almost going down, they're now basically that you you expect them to be in the Liga now, and they're suddenly there. They're on twenty three points after fourteen games, five clear of ninth. You just know they're going to be in the Liga, and that, I mean I, I can't appraise enough how well Hernandez has done for them since like, coming in as like interim boss for a bit, kind of from the youngsters. He's been unbelievable, and obviously we all know about. Marie Diaz, he's sort of hat trick again at the weekend. He's yeah, um, such a when he's on form, he's a really good striker. I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing him with Peru at the World Cup. He might, might be a starter, but definitely off the bench. But yeah, I, I digress about Monarchs. I could go on about them for ages. I think it does have to be Santos Saguna. They may have like lost the weekend before, but back to form this weekend, beating Crotaro. Really impressive stuff. They weren't they they I think a few years ago now when um Kashina was with them, they they that's when they won the title and they've sort of let their standards slip a little bit, but they've really been back on it this year. Also we've been talking about Unity like a lot about how good he's been. He's he missed the last missed the last like three, four games with injury. But he's getting back onto it now. I think he scored a penalty at the weekend. Could be I don't say we just called them like a dark horse when they're like second in the Crosera, but when you've got the likes of America Tigre Monterey, you would I would probably back Santos Laguna above Toluca to lift the title. No, I, th- I, th- I think that's a great shout. I mean, it's it's going to be hard for me to pick any side outside that Monarcos. Mm. I've, I've just been outstanding, you know, and you, you highlighted Rui Diaz's uh, hat-trick at the weekend, and he, he's just an, uh, an outrageous player for them, you know. It's, it's such a such a vital player for them, and this time last year, you when they're on the verge of going down, you think you know, if, if if they do, well, he'll be up and out. He'll be the first man you picked up for them. And, you know, the fact that they've done so well, been so consistent in the last two campaigns, you know, it's it's credit to the management there. Um, and, and maybe even the, you know, as high up as the board level as well. And Rui Diaz is going to want to stay on the side that are winning things, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see them have a, a strong Ligia. Same. Um, I just don't know whether they will, they, they just lack that experience that we talked about. Yeah. And then I suppose the other two teams to talk about are, are going to be Toluca with their outrageous um, winning streak at the moment. And and then Santa Lu- Santos Laguna, you know, they, they've been fantastic as well. Well worth um, their weight in, in, in gold, I suppose. But um, other sides outside of that, you know, if you're looking at the, the, the top end of the table, you, you're going to have America, Tigres, and Monterey, uh, uh, we, we've seen them have better campaigns, haven't we? Yeah. And the thing is, we expect so much from them. The fact that they've, um, you know, been trying to balance um, your midweek, uh, your continental games, you know, and you know, against these MLS sides as, as well, you, and then um, you know, trying to also get into the Liga. And the fact they're still in the Liga, you have to give them credit to, but. They're veterans at this stage. They they, yeah. they know how to to go about their business. Apart from that, I, I don't think anyone else has really stood out. I mean, we've already mentioned the teams that we're not happy with. 
<laughs> and um, I think we don't need to pick a, a worse team no. off the campaign. <laughs> we don't need to do that. I think I think everyone can draw their own conclusions. But uh, Ollie, then let's um, let's be- just before we go. I know we did say that that was our last topic, but um, let's um, let's just highlight again maybe next week that you um, that you're going to be quite interested in, or that you'd advise people to to tune into. I will go for. Oh, I don't know. Don't walk you. I mean, it's hard to look past you watching Farrah Cruz take on Leon and just to see how that was going to pan out. But um, I, I, I suppose everyone's eyes really, even though in in the UK it's not the kindest of times for it, it's going to be Club America taking on Monterey. Yeah, yeah, that was the one my eyes were drawn to as well. Apart from that, I mean, not a great selection of. Titan could be relatively interesting. Maybe maybe Monaco's Toluca could be quite an interesting one. You think both sides in the Ligue, in the Ligue place at the moment would be interested to see how they both get on, could face each other potentially in the uh, semi-finals. Relegate, I mean, Pumas Puebla for a chance to sort of get into the um, Ligue as well. That could be quite an interesting mix-up. But yeah, the big one is a, is a, is a ridiculous o'clock UK time, America versus Rayados. And, and who do you see coming out on top there, Ali? Um, probably, hmm. That's quite a tough one, quite a tough one to call that, actually. I would probably... Because Monterey have been quite decent away from home, and America have been all right at home. I, I, I would probably... I, I'd, I'd probably be a neutral of me for instance. I, I could see that being a draw, that one, to be fair. Yeah, like, uh, Monterey, I would back them to win, but Corsera Monterey, I think I could see them drawing that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm also gonna be boring and say <laughs> that that's probably going to be a draw as well. I'm, if I'm being pushed, why not Monterey to win? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go for that one. There, ever so slightly better form uh, of recent. Uh, I suppose they they haven't had a midweek game. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> I'm sorry for any listeners that are saying, well, where's the where's the reasoning for all this? But I, it, it's it's that that close to call. I, I I would say a draw, but if not um, a Monterey um, slight victory. You know we'll be wrong. America will hammer them. But uh, any, <laughs> anyway, uh, what do we know? Um, Ollie, what have you got going on this week? Is there anything you'd like to uh, draw our listeners' attentions to or or where can they find you online? Or are we even going to hear any uh, Liga MX chat these days on the likes of Twitter? Uh, potentially. I think when it gets to Liga, I might start tweeting again a bit more. I think the Supreme sort of takes precedence at the moment. I'm, try, I'm going to try it. When it gets to Liga, I might try and find a try and like do a, a, a work from home type thing so I can maybe watch a few games late night. But no, you can find me on Twitter at, um, at FRFootballOlly, O L L Y. I'm back on that Twitter now and using my Supreme and stuff. So. If you get interested in that, you can follow me. I will begin tweeting about Liga MX very, very soon again. And when it gets to the World Cup about Mexico as well. This week, I have not a lot to press in this weekend. And then there's CONCACAF Champions League final next week. So you can get back onto that. Very exciting. Very busy man, as <laughs> always. Eh? Uh, on Oli, when, when are we going to hear the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the ever, um, well, the, the ever, um, Closing in or ever impending, um, super retin podcast. Oh, very very soon. I'm just getting out, just working out the details so far, making sure I know all the players, and there'll be one 
hopefully on the Football Red Network after speaking to Manu about that coming out very, very soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's not here to disagree. You know, just, exactly. Oh, I, I, I just put it out there. <laughs> You've already started doing the, the, the plugging for it. Um, anyway, guys, um, uh, Manu is not here, obviously, um, but he would be informing us that there is plenty going on at the Football Grads Network. So uh, head over for match reports, previews to games, um, you know, loads of articles, you know, from uh, different sites around the world um, at Football Grad Live on Twitter. There's so much content on there and so many talented writers. You know, you'll never be bored if, if you're on there. But also get in touch. Get in touch with the at uh, Football Grad Live um, Twitter accounts, you know, and maybe send us some questions or topics you'd like to hear us discuss, whether it's this podcast or another. Um, there's obviously the at Golatza podcast, which is our own uh, page. Um, get in touch with us there as well. Do you send us some information? We'd love to hear from you. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to the likes of uh, iTunes and maybe leave us some uh, positive feedback. We, we always like to hear from you guys and uh, we greatly appreciate that. I have been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. And that more or less does it for this week. There's going to be a few interesting games as we highlighted uh, in the next few weeks before we go into the Ligia and obviously that CONCACAF Champions League um, final as well. Um, come on, Chivas. Yeah, come on, Chivas. That more or less does it for today. Thanks for tuning in and listening to Ollie and I. Adios. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.